Chapter Nine of the Brown Brethren. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Brown Brethren by Patrick McGill. Chapter Nine Trench Fever. Now, out in the trenches, you'll find to your cost that the slower you shuffle, the sooner you're lost. Their actions done better, the quicker they're done, like getting your rations or bombing a hun, or dodging a pipsqueak or catching a flea. The quicker you do them, the better they be. From Trench Wisdom The Irish were back in the trenches again. It was night, the ground was covered with snow, and Spudhole, who did not feel well, was glad of an hour's rest in a dugout. The dugout belonged at one time to the Germans was a spacious apartment stretching out into unfathomable corners the dry floor was level as a board and all round the walls snug loop the dry floor was level as a board and all round the walls snug little crannies were scraped out in the clay here were stored all manners of here were stored all manner of odds and ends bully beef tins loaves biscuits coils of barbed wire hand grenades bandoliers water jars tins of jam candles and firewood a brazier burned on the floor the smoke curled upward and was sucked out through a hole in the roof as though a chimney a dozen men sat around the fire their sheepskin jackets steaming and the brass buckles of their equipment shining like gold the blaze, burning high, lit up the steady eyes and ruddied the strong features of the men. Spudhole, half asleep, leant forward over his knees, his arms folded, his shoulders humped up, and his helmet well down over his face. Bowdy Benners was writing a letter, his notepaper spread out on Bub's back, his knees crossed. An old wrinkled man of forty-eight named Bill Hurd was telling how his own son had joined the army at the outbreak of war hurd was an irishman and had worked as a carpenter on a big estate in devon and his son john had a job in his father's workshop twas two days after war was declared bill was saying and i was down in the kitchen waiting till it was time to go out till my job i was always an early riser upstairs i heard john singing like a thrush what's wrong with him i says till myself for though he was a good willin cub he was not an early riser when he came down i says to him what's up with ye this morning i says i'm going to jine up he says most took my breath away but you're not only eighteen come the end of next week i says to him but i can be nineteen at a pinch he answers and what was to be said about that i ups and shakes him by the hand you're a man that's what ye are i says to him and where are you going to join up i asks him in the town he says meaning the town nearest where there was a recruiting station then i'll go along with you and see that you're right fitted up i says to him i must go out and do an hour's work he then says when i finish that i'll be ready to go right me boy I says for i knew that he wanted to go out and tell the other men what he was going to do so we goes to the recruitin' station, and the corporal there runs a tape over John. You'll do, he said. You'll make a fine soldier. So he went out, me and him, and I goes with him to the nearest tobacco shop, 
now think of what you're going to do i says to him it's not an easy job the job of a soldier now think i said think me boy he looked at me straight in the face and said as if he was offended you don't think i've done wrong do you begorra there and then i just and and there were a lot of people looking at us i just caught him by the hand and squeezed it you're a man i says and i'll get ye a pipe and tobacco and so i did and would ye misdoubt me when i said that he was a handy putting a match to a pipe as i was meself but it's not easy to understand young cubs when did you join up a snogger who came into the dugout at that moment long after that says billy there was a young fellow on the state the son of me mistress a fine hearty looking fellow a rail good lump of a cub with laughy eyes and so handsome he was a great friend of mine well he was an officer in the regulars and he got hit in the eye out here be a splinter of a shell and he was knocked stone blind he comes home goes into hospital and was there for long enough but nothing could be done all hope was lost he would be blind for life and his mother she took it as calm as anything billy she used to say to me somebody must suffer and it's all for the country when all's said and done she was a brave woman didn't wear a heart on her sleeve i never saw her eyes wet not until one day twas when her boy sent a wee fretwork letter rack home from hospital as a present to his mother he made it himself blind as he was and it was very pretty i was doing a bit of woodwork in the hall when it came in a parcel the mother opened the parcel and saw what was inside and she began to cry as if she would never stop after that when anybody spoke of her boy she would burst out weeping well i liked the boy said billy so i thought twas up to me to have revenge for him on the germans so i had a clean shave and went to the recruiting office and signed on as a man of thirty-nine he should have had more sense said bub getting to his feet and disappearing into a corner no doubt the boy who was not feeling well wanted to snatch an hour's sleep snogger looked at the men six of you for ration fatigue he said two to relieve the men on guard whose turn is it i'm one said bowdy me as well said billy heard pull yourselves together then and get out said snogger it's two minutes past time bowdy and billy got to their feet buckled their equipment and went out to their posts an hour later they came back bowdy shook the snow from his sheepskin jacket and sat down on the ground beside the brazier it's a very cold night outside he said freeze the horns off a brass monkey it would where's spudhole he asked what's wrong now what do you want asked a feeble voice as spudhole peeped out from a dark corner by the wall he rose to his feet and buttoned his sheepskin jacket which had become loose how are you feeling now spudhole asked benners oh i'm all right and the pink said bud have you a drop of water to spare bowdy handed a water bottle to spud the youngster raised it to his lips and drank greedily cold water's not a drink for a night like this said bowdy what you want is something hot if i make a mist tin of tea will you have some thank you said bub handing the bottle back i'm going to have another kip now he added rouse me up when it's my turn for sentry go he lay back closed his eyes and felt very cold at intervals he shivered shaking from head to foot innumerable currents of icy air seemed to have taken up their abode in the dugout living crafty currents as cruel as enemies which stole slyly down his back 
penetrating between flesh and underclothing. They blew on the back of his neck. When he turned round, he encountered them on his face. They stole out from all corners, incessantly chilling him with their treacherous frozen breath. He fell asleep, woke up, and it seemed to him that a swarm of ants had got in his throat, and that other ants, thousands of them, were crawling over his arms and legs. He got up, shook himself, his legs felt very weak, his head was spinning. He tottered over to the fire. Bowdy, who was pouring a handful of tea into the boiling water, looked up. Good heavens, Spuddle, you are looking bad, he said. Feeling cold. Cold's not the word, Bub replied. I wouldn't be worse off and handcuffed to a ghost. What's the time, he asked. Ten to eleven, said Bowdy, looking at his wristwatch. Just about my time for sentry go, said Bub in a weak voice. I suppose I'm getting trench fever or something, he added. Bowdy placed a spoonful of condensed milk in the tea, stirred it, and added sugar. This will warm me up, he said, filling the mess tin lid with tea and handing it to Bub. Then you can lie down again near the fire, and I'll do your turn as sentry. Spuddle had the lid half raised to his lips. His hand shook. The tea splashed out in little drops which fell on the brazier. Bowdy, he said in a slow voice. What is it? I've never failed up my work yet, said Spudhole. I'm not here in the trenches to shift my jobs on to other blokes. But you're feeling queer, said Bowdy. If I felt like that, I would go down and see the M.O. and get shoved into hospital. Would you, said Spudhole, placing the mess tin lid on the floor. I know better. What did I hear you say once? You'd never leave your trenches when the regiment was there unless you was carried out on a stretcher. That was only swank, said Bowdy. You drink your tea, Spudhole, and lie down. I'll put a couple of sandbags round you, and if you're not feeling better in the morning, just run down and see the M.O. Well, I'm damned if I goes away from the line, said Bub. Not until the battalion is with me. That's settled. He bent down, raised the mess tin, and drank the tea. Snogger came to the door. Next on sentry go, he called. I'm there, said Bowdy. It's my turn, said Bub. No chewin' the fat or some o' you be damned unlucky, said Snogger. Whoever's on's on. That's all. So get some elbow grease on and hurry out. Them that's on's a minute and arf over their time already. Spudhole went out, crawled up on the fire step, and relieved the sentry. Leaning both arms on the parapet, he looked over no man's land towards the German trenches. The levels in front, a shell-scarred spread of ground set off in its ghastly array of Barbed wire entanglements was covered with snow. Here nature had only one mood, a mood of sulky menace which overawed and subdued the tempers of the onlookers. The sky was coldly clear and a million stars showed in its broad expanse, but Bub's circle of horizon was very small. Objects quite near at hand stood out weirdly silhouetted with a blurred though definite outline. The trenches were wrapped in ghostly solitude. The brazier, a flare in the dugout, which Bub had just left, added no relieving tent to the blind helplessness of the night. The sick boy stood back from the parapet and clapped his hands together in an endeavor to warm himself. God, it's cold here, he muttered. I wish I was in the dugout having a kip. T'would be so much better than standing out here. But I wouldn't have it, no, not at any price. I wouldn't shove my job on to any bloke. Bowdy would do sentry go for me, 
good old bowdy and so would old flan if he weren't down at the dump but why should they i wouldn't mind letting them do it if it was out of the trenches how are you getting on spud asked a voice from the trench feeling the cold the boy looked down at captain thorley the captain and he were great friends cold said spud through chattering teeth it's not warm air is it sir i feel as cold as if i was handcuffed to a ghost i hear that you're not feeling well said the captain i'm all right sir just a bit dicky a minute back but the cold air hasn't arf bucked me up yet well you know that bowdy will do your job for you if you're feeling queer said thorley i know that sir but i'm all right said bub besides i wouldn't rob a man of his sleep bub finished his hour but when his next turn as sentry came round he was unable to perform his duty he looked helplessly at his mate bowdy said in a low apologetic voice i've no guts for another hour's sentry go i'm washed out i will go down to the m o not to-morrow morning but now if i stay here any longer i'll have to be carried out but didn't i stick it to the last bowdy of course you did i'm damned if i'd stick it so long clear out of it at once buttle said billy hurd you're like a ghost something like what a cat would take in on a wet day you think i'm sick enough to leave her then asked bub i don't want any of the fellers to say after i go that i was swinging the lead if you stop here any longer they'll say that you're staying here hoping that you'll be so bad when you leave that you'll never be sent back again then i'm off at it said bub decision in his voice i'll try and be back as soon as i can he went outside and made his way to the dressing station dawn found him snug in a motor ambulance on his way to hospital End of chapter 9 Trench Fever